You're listening to Hawk Talk with former Seahawks wide receiver Michael Bumpus. At the 10-yard line, second and eight. Three wide receivers now in motion as Bumpus left to right. Julius Jones with single setback. Matt Pump fakes, looking to the goal line. He throws it into the end zone. Touchdown, Seahawks! It's Michael Bumpus with a diving catch in the end zone. A 10-yard touchdown reception for Bumpus, and the kid out of Washington State has found himself a place on this team. Powered by Seahawks.com. Welcome to Hawk Talk Recap Edition. I am Michael Bumpus. The Seahawks fall to the Rams 20-10 in Los Angeles. A tough game. Playoff hopes are probably gone. But to help me break this all down, we're going to go in the trenches with Ray Roberts. It's time to go inside the trenches with former Seahawk Ray Roberts. Big Ray, tough game down in L.A. First off, how you doing, man? I'm doing all right, brother. It's a tough day, like you said, but uh, recovering this morning. Yeah, man, it was a weird game, right? These guys play on a Tuesday. Um, The Rams have about 25 guys on that COVID list. The game's pushed back. They get some key pieces back. Because that game is pushed back, the Hawks lose a couple pieces. Um, and then we go out first quarter, three to three. It's been a battle. You go into the halftime, all knotted up. Second half comes around and things change. When you look at this offense, what did you see and what do you think needed to happen for them to be successful in this game? You know what? If you, if you really look back at the, the offensive performance, they never really put like two or three or three or four, like really good plays together. And then they kept having setbacks with uh, untimely penalties. Like, you know, um, you know, Rashad Penny, uh, I think he only finished uh, with, you know, maybe 30-something yards rushing. But he had another 20 yards left on the field that were called back because of holding calls. And so you think about in that situation, uh, you know, it's first and 10, you pick up eight or nine yards. It's second and two, you're probably going to run it again. But with the penalty, you end up with first and 20. So you're not going to run the ball in that situation. So uh, so it, it was just really untimely uh, mishaps that kind of kept the offense from kind of getting in stride. Just, you know, the ball not been thrown quite far enough or the experts, you know, like, you know, making a really tough, tough catch, even though, he, you know, had it in his hands to the ground between two guys. But like every now and then, the Seahawks offense live on stuff like that, on big plays like that. The magic of Russell Wilson, the connectedness between him and, and Tyler Lockett, you know, who wasn't playing yesterday. So I think a lot of that stuff was missing yesterday. And quite frankly, it's just kind of been missing most of the season. Yeah, I'm with you, Ray. Um, not having Tyler Lockett, I felt was huge, right? D. Eskridge was 0 for 4 when it comes to targets. DK had 12 targets, only a few receptions. Do you think yesterday we saw how valuable – Tyler Lockett really is to this offense? I, I think so because, you know, Tyler just finds a way to get open and he and Russ have this uh, this type of connectedness and, and trust with each other uh, that they can make plays, you know, out of nothing. It doesn't mean that those other guys can't. It just it just means that uh, Tyler's just been more proficient at, at actually doing it, you know. And so, and then you, you know, you have to think too that, with Tyler in there, there's a little bit more respect for him than there would be for a D Eskridge, you know. So then you're going to draw some coverage maybe from DK in, in certain situations where you give DK a cleaner look at, you know, catching the ball and being able to do some damage and vice versa. And I don't – you didn't have that dynamic yesterday. Like, I think for the Seahawks to perform well yesterday, they needed a huge game from DK Metcalf and they needed at least 60, 
70, maybe 80 yards out of Rashad Penny. And I think the offense would have been in a position to do some damage, but neither one of those things happened. Yeah, on the outside, I don't think we got enough production, but on that offensive line, it seemed like Russ had some time back there. Um, there were a couple of plays where I felt Damian Lewis got beat, but that's just part of the game, especially when you're playing against Aaron Donald on that line. What you see from the offensive line? You know what? I saw, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I just said, you know, I think the offense needs to, the line needs to grind a little harder, uh, strain a little harder, try to move a little quicker, spend, you know, you know, take another step trying to finish. Sometimes those little things are all the difference that it makes. And it seems like, that's what they were doing yesterday as well. Even in the running game, it's unfortunate that the holding calls kind of called some plays back and, a, and the offense wasn't in a rhythm to keep running because Rashard Penny was running hard. The offensive line was blocking hard and trying to finish. And then and the same thing was happening in the passing game. I, I can't remember the last time where there were multiple opportunities where Russell was sitting back there just patting the ball, trying to figure out who to throw the ball to. And the unfortunate thing about that situation is that with that defensive line, to be able to give Russell that much time on that many occasions, there needed to be big plays made out of that. And I would imagine, I think two or three times, he just threw the ball away. There was someone to throw the ball to. And that was unfortunate because you just wasted, you know, not just didn't, you didn't take advantage of such great pass protection against the defensive line that can really get after it. And so, and then you, you, know, you brought up Damian Lewis too. And uh, Damian, you know, maybe it's injuries or second year slump or whatever it is. But uh, but he's one of the dudes that uh, at the end of this season he can't be happy with himself. He he can't he he can't wait for someone to come and tell him what he needs to improve on. He has to be able to look at the film and know like you know what I I need to be better at this thing. I I think this year he came in and 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 I can't get into his head and think. But in my opinion, it seems like he just wanted to outmuscle everybody. And in this, in this league, there's a lot of strong dudes. And if you can't move your feet and and have good hands and feet, you're not going to block anybody. He has those things, but those things don't seem to be uh, showing up for him this year. And I don't know why. He should have had a breakout season. But hopefully, you know, the rest of this year and then into the offseason, he can start to work on those things. Yeah, that, that sophomore slump I feel like he's in. But I think we've spoken to Damian Lewis and we – we both agree that he's going to bounce back and he's going to be all right. But let's yeah. switch over to the defensive line because there's a guy named Carlos Dunlap who hasn't been used a lot this year, who had a game, three sacks. First time since 2015, Michael Bennett was the last time to have three sacks for the Seahawks. What'd you see out of that defensive line and specifically Carlos Dunlap? Well, I thought they played a, I thought the defensive line played a, a, a pretty good game. They got some pressure on, on um, Matthew Stafford. They got knocked into the ground a few times. They had, a, uh, what, four sacks? You know, Carlos had three of those. Uh, and so I, I just thought that the, for whatever, you know, we talked before the game about matchups, and our defensive line matched up well against their offensive line and uh, and were able to make some plays. And then super happy for Carlos, man. Like I said in the post game, a lot of people put in his position would just kind of pout around and, and give you all the reasons why they should be getting more playing time. And, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, he just said, man, I'm just owning what they're asking me to do. I'm going to be the best at what I can do in the time that they're giving me. And, you know, some people might say, well, man, he got three sacks. He should get more playing time. But it might be the fact that he's not getting more playing time that's allowing him to get the sacks because he has more energy, has more explosion. He is a dude that's played a lot of football. And so to kind of grind at 60, 70 percent of the plays, 
uh, I don't know. I don't know that that's where he is in his career. But the way they're doing this load management with him, he's been very productive in it. And so, uh, if, if you know, he's got three sacks when other dudes that are out there longer don't have one. So uh, I'm happy for him. I'm happy the way he owned the position, and I'm happy with the production and the way they're using it. Good old NBA load management working out for Carlos Dunlap. All right, now Ray, last one I got for you. These guys are five and nine. The playoffs are probably out of reach. Um, what's the mental of this team, and how do you think they go forward and finish strong? Yeah, well, unfortunately, I've been on a lot of teams that <laughs> they were out of the playoffs way earlier than this, and uh, and so just trying to keep your yourself locked in and focused on the work, and then bringing the energy, uh, you know, to the practice field, to the meeting rooms. Uh, you know, to the to the uh, to the games, it's going to be vital. And I think this team has the right people in the leadership positions to make sure that that happens. Because you know that Russell Wilson is not going to back down. Bobby Wagner's not going to back down. Uh, it looks like um, uh, Jordan Brooks is kind of built in that same mold. He's going to play into the last whistle. And so you're going to have to bring a lot of those younger guys along that maybe haven't been in this position before. Uh, that uh, that every day still matters. Every step still matters. Every meeting still matters. Every game still matters. And uh, it's your job. <laughs> you know, you get paid to do it, and you have to go out there and do it to the best of your ability. I, I can't say that 100% of the team is going to be all bought, bought in and gun hold to it, but you got to have enough of your team still bought into it to finish the season strong, even if it's just for your own personal, like, there has to be some personal pride in there somewhere that goes, you know what, I'm lining up across from this guy. I'm going to give him the best I got. Like, I'm not out here to get embarrassed no matter what the record is, you know. And so uh, some of that has to play a part of it, too. Time to be a professional. Ray, thank you for being a professional all year and showing up for us, man. I appreciate you, big dog. Well, thanks for having me, big dog. And uh, good work with yourself, you know, on the on the radio, all the stuff that they have you doing. You're, you're knocking it out, brother. Appreciate you, man. I'll talk to you soon. All right, peace. All right, let's get deeper into this thing and figure out what happened and bring in NASA Chobie. See, what had happened at first was... What happened was... What had happened was... On Hawk Talk. Man Bump, every game in the NFC West is a battle, and Tuesday night was no different. The Seahawks faced a ton of adversity this week, and it started with the game postponement. The Seahawks were scheduled to play the Rams, as we know, on Sunday. The Rams had about 25 guys on the COVID list. The league pushed the game back to Tuesday night. And then the Seahawks, unfortunately, had got the short end of the stick while the Rams were getting players back like Odell Beckham Jr., Vaughn Miller, Jalen Ramsey. The Seahawks were losing players. They were without Tyler Lockett, DJ Reed, Brandon Shell, Kerry Hyder, Travis Homer, and Brian Monet. But despite all that, they gave the Rams all they could handle, losing 20-10. to 10. Unfortunately for the Seahawks, though, this game followed a very familiar pattern we've seen all season long. The Seahawks ran just 53 plays and lost a time of possession, 35 minutes and 6 seconds to 24 minutes and 54 seconds. The Seahawks were held under 20 points for the seventh time this season. Third downs, been an Achilles heel all year for the Seahawks. They're only able to convert 3 of 12. The offense only had really one good drive all night, which went 11 plays, 75 yards, ended with a DJ Dallas touchdown. That was the longest drive the entire season. Entering last night, every other team in the NFL had at least four touchdown drives of 11-plus plays. So that kind of shows you where the Seahawks are at offensively in terms of sustaining drives. But despite all that, great effort by the Seahawks defense kept them in the game. They held the Rams to just three points in the first half, able to sack uh, Matthew Stafford four times. Quandre Diggs doing his thing, got his fifth interception of the season. 
and the Seahawks held the fourth best scoring offense at just 20 points. The only player to really go off for the Rams was Cooper Cup, and we, it's Cooper Cup, man. Stop me if you've heard this before. Dude is an absolute baller, best receiver in the game right now. Nine receptions, 136 yards, and two touchdowns. But bump, it came down to one sequence. You know, all games come down to a couple plays. So fast forward to the fourth quarter. The Seahawks defense forces a huge punt from the Rams. Seahawks get the ball back down seven with 525 left in the game. And the Seahawks start driving, and then an incredibly painful sequence ensues. Seahawks are facing a third and one at the Rams' 45-yard line. Then Rashad Penny might have just took a breath. I don't know, flinch. It was one of the ticky-tack false start penalties I've ever seen. He gets hit with a false start, back to Seahawks up five yards. Then they do a, try to go outside with Rashad Penny, take a one-yard loss. That sets up a fourth and six. And my goodness. The refs did not cost the Seahawks the game, but that was one of the most egregious calls I think I've ever seen since the Rams and the Saints in the playoffs. DJ Dallas gets absolutely tackled before the ball gets there. Russell Wilson floats it up. No flags from the official, then gets bad to worse. DJ Dallas kicks the ball out of frustration. Rams take over, kick a field goal, and that was it for Seattle. So very frustrating. Um, The Seahawks obviously needed to get win to keep their playoff hopes alive. It's just really disappointing because – Every single game this year, the Seahawks have been within a touchdown in the fourth quarter. Yesterday was no different. Um, Just really tough loss for the Seahawks, but it was good to see a lot of those guys out there battling, playing hard for those guys. But let's get into the playmakers, see who balled out. Touchdown, Seahawks! Playmakers. So we're going to get into playmakers, but I want to ask you something before we do. Okay. Does the NFL send Pete Carroll an apology? Do they make this right as far as that no call, no pass interference call on DJ Dallas? Well, you know, I don't think that, I don't think it'll make it right, but you know, every coach every week sends tape from the game and plays that they want to dispute to the league. League office looks at, uh, office looks at it, reviews it and sends it back. And sometimes they say, Hey man, we missed that one. And I don't know if that's worse, Bump. I honestly don't even want confirmation because if I saw it with my two eyes, I don't want someone telling me after the fact, Woo, I know that call might have really changed the game for you. We got it wrong, man. My bad. My bad. You know what I'm saying? So I think that's going to happen. Obviously, Pete Carroll is going to take the high road and do everything he's going to do as a head coach and not focus on that. But I'm sure behind the scenes, there is some film being discussed and being like, what is going on? Y'all got to be better straight up. If I'm a head coach, I need a phone call and 30 seconds for me to just vent <laughs> on him real quick. That's all I need. That's all I need. Okay, back to the playmakers. Speaking of the guy who didn't get the pass interference call, we're going to start with DJ Dallas at eight carries for 41 yards, one touchdown, average 5.1 yards per carry. That drive coming out of the out of halftime, that 11-play, 75-yard drive, they ran the full body. Those 11 plays, I believe they ran it six times, and DJ Dallas was a big part of that. It was nice to see him step in when Penny was banged up a little bit, not really sure what happened, but he went to the sideline for a bit. DJ stepped in and did his thing and could have made one of the biggest plays in the game with that pass interference. just didn't work out for him. But it's nice to see DJ out there. Needs to control his temper a little bit. Yeah. I feel you. I would have felt like kicking that football after the no call. But other than that, I think DJ stepped in and had a good day. Love to see it from DJ. Definitely showing his versatility and why he's an important member of this football team. Another playmaker, Gerald Everett. Four receptions, 60 yards on four targets, including a long of 34 yards. Nice to see him involved. He's obviously super versatile. It is been a really key contributor to the Seahawks offense despite their struggles. You know, I know he wanted to get a dub against his former team, was not able to play in the first matchup, 
and you know, did everything possible he could in the second matchup. Unfortunately, just wasn't enough, but he did lead all receivers for the Seahawks with 60 yards. Next, we have Jordan Brooks, man. This guy is really stepping up, being consistent, had 11 tackles, two tackles for loss, one pass defended on fourth down. I saw this guy, was it a screen? I think we saw him yep. sniff out, dipped and ripped under the tackle, got skinny, got into the backfield. Every week, I kind of see him get more comfortable and make a play confidently that he wasn't making a few weeks back. I love where this guy's going. His maturation is unbelievable. I think the, if you're getting, we're getting to the point where when we watched Jordan Brooks's film, we were, when we're giving critiques, it's nitpicky, right? It's not the same thing as a rookie. You're picking little mistakes like on the Cooper Cup touchdown. I believe Pete Carroll's talked about it with Matt Hasselbeck this morning that, you know, three receivers trips to the left and back motions to the left. So now there's four threats on that side. The weak side linebackers got to bump over, make it a tougher uh, throw for. Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup, but I'm, we're just nitpicking at this point because Jordan Brooks is playing great football. Another guy in that defense is playing well, Quandre Diggs, seven tackles, one interception, one pass defended, has now tied a career high with five interceptions, which he set last year, 13 interceptions in 36 games with the Seahawks, and his 10 interceptions over the last two seasons tied him with Justin Simmons for the most of any safety. He's one of five players with 10-plus interceptions in that span. So Quandre Diggs, man, He's already going to go to the Pro Bowl. He should be an All-Pro because he's been consistent all season long. Loves picking off his buddy, Matthew Stafford. So I'd love to see Quandre Diggs balling out. Get that man an All-Pro vote. Please get Diggs a vote. And he steps up to the podium and keeps it real. does what he has to do after the game. 100. Carlos Dunlap had himself a day. Four tackles, three sacks, three QB hits, three tackles for loss. He's the first Seahawk with three sacks at a game since 2015. And that was Michael Bennett. Big Ray made a great point. He goes, look. Maybe it's better that they're doing this load management thing with Carlos Dunlap. He is in his mid-30s, been in the league for a while. Um, maybe him not getting all these snaps has allowed him to play at a high level late, but I would still like to see him a bit yeah. more. Carlos Dunlap also had on a nice sweater after the game, right. kept things nice and interesting. Yeah, no, I would love to see more of Carlos Dunlap. I mean, anytime you get three sacks, I don't care if it's against a backup tackle. One of them was against Whitworth, so it doesn't matter. Love to see our guy Carlos balling out. Another playmaker, Rasheem Green, five tackles, one sack, one TFL, one QB hit, two passes defended. And I just love Rasheem. He's playing with confidence and consistency. You can even hear it in his postgame interviews. He just feels more comfortable out there, you know, this fourth year in the league. And he might not have the crazy sack numbers, 10, 15 numbers like that, but he's always effective in every single game. He's doing exactly what the team is asking him to do. So I love to see the young kid balling out. Team Green, Cali stand up. Was it uh, Sarah High School, man? That was my last high school game. They knocked us out the playoffs. Mm -hmm. So nice to see Rasheem do his thing. Okay, receiver, round up. Gerald Everett had four catches on four targets for 60 yards. DK had 12 targets, but only six catches for 52 yards along the 12. Freddie Swain had one big catch for 25 yards. It was on the drive that the Hawks came out the about at halftime and, and got it done with a score. DJ Dallas had three for 11. Rashad Penny, two for five. Will Disley, one for three. Overall, this group has 17 catches for 156 yards. Let's go into the coach's corner and break down some film. Absolutely, Bump. We mentioned Quandre Diggs, how good he has been this season. Well, Quandre Diggs picked off his former teammate, Matthew Stafford, for the second time this season on first and 10 from the Seattle 32 in the second quarter. 
First and 10 from the Seahawks, 30, the throw downfield, it's intercepted, it's Diggs. He's out across the 10, 15, 20, turns up field 30, gets hit, and dropped at about the 35 by Edwards, one of the offensive linemen. Stafford threw that ball toward the middle of the field, and Diggs just came into the line of sight and snatched it out of the air. Not a lot here, Ness, and I think it was a horrible throw by Matthew Stafford. Um, Obviously, the Hawks are in cover three because that's what they love to do. You got... I believe that's Bless Austin running with the go route. And Quandre Diggs is reading Matthew Stafford's eyes and staying on top. On the other side, there's not much there. They're running a hitch, and I believe another seam, it looks like, or maybe a deep out is hard to see. But uh, this is just Diggs staying on top, keeping everything in front, reading the quarterback's eyes, and breaking on the football. Horrible throw by Matthew Stafford. But if Diggs isn't where he's supposed to be and reading his keys, he doesn't make this play. Yeah, no question about it. I think you're spot on. This is Matthew Stafford, um, nine times out of ten, does not make a poor a throw this poor. It's short, miscommunication with the receiver, not looking back. I don't even – I think Bless Austin, he, he hasn't turned his head the corner on that play. But even if he does, I think that ball hits him in the back. But the thing about Quandre Diggs, the nice underrated part about this play is he just – he's playing that center field, but he's lurking, right? They talked about it on the broadcast. He's playing center field, but he almost goads Matthew Stafford into that because he knows he can break downhill. He's reading the formation. He sees who's on that side. I believe that's Cooper Cup. And he knows, hey, I'm going to play deep, but I'm favoring that side already. I realize I have no threats on my left, defense's left. So he can got to shade over, but he can wait because it's an outbreaking route. It's cover three, so he knows he has corner on that deep outbreaking route, whether it's a fade or anything like that. So he kind of goats him into it, stay, play center field, then waste the last second. And the second that ball is in the air, he comes downhill incredibly fast. And that's what Quandre Diggs does, man. Whether it was a bad throw or not, if you're not in position, you don't make plays. And Quandre Diggs has been 100% consistent all year long. That's why he had five interceptions this year, 10 in the last two seasons, one of the four people in the league to do that. So love to see Quandre Diggs being consistent and doing everything he can to make sure he's an all-pro in 2021. Diggs, one of my favorite players on this team. Two weeks in a row, we got into victory formation, but that's not going to happen today, Naz. What is it? <sighs> the clock just ran out. Goodness. A knee taken by Hundley. They're just going to let the clock wind down. Pete's not even going to bother taking that last time out. Good effort by the Seahawks defense. This wasn't enough against a great Rams team who had a couple of days to get some guys back. The Hawks lose a couple guys. All about matchups in this league, and the Rams took advantage of a good matchup for them. Um, for the Seahawks, it's the same issues I heard them all season. Um, you get 53 plays. You lose the time of possession. You're not great on third downs. You only you score less than 20 points for the seventh time this season. It's just the same stuff happening in these losses. When they win ball games, a lot of this stuff is taken care of. When you lose ball games, these stats reemerge and show their ugly face again. Yeah, absolutely hate to see it because you're right. It has plagued the Seahawks all season long, and this is crazy, man. This is the first losing season for Russell Wilson since his sophomore season at NC State. Got to go back to 2009. Bump, I was finishing up my senior year of high school. You were still thinking about playing in the league at that point, so it's been a minute. Um the Seahawks also have their first losing season since 2011, so it's it's been a long time coming. And, you know, the Seahawks, unfortunately, given everything we just talked about, they're 0-8 this season when tied or trailing at any point in the fourth quarter. Very opposite of what we're used to under Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson. Only the Texans and Panthers have a worse record in those situations. So it's tough, man. The Seahawks just couldn't get out of their own way and unfortunately lose a tough battle to the Rams. 
On defense, once again, man, they played all right. They held the Rams to 20 points. They've been averaging giving up 20.2, so that's right where they're supposed to be. They intercepted Matthew Stafford. He was sacked four times, and uh, it just wasn't enough. Now, the Hawks aren't mathematically eliminated from the playoffs, mm. but uh, we, we've been around the game long enough. It's going to take a lot to happen for these guys to sneak in this thing, but three games left. They still got to play. Yeah, no question about it. These guys got a lot of pride in that locker room. As you can see, every single week they fight till the very end, very last whistle. They play incredibly hard. Three games to finish out on a high note and, and just kind of figure out what the Seahawks have at the end of this season. A lot of opportunities for young guys to prove themselves and see what the Seahawks have going into the next season. But season's not over. Three weeks. Got to find a way to go 1-0. and All right, go 1-0. You got the Chicago Bears coming into town the day after Christmas. Let's see if we can bring some magic to this football team to end the season. Man, it's been tough. The Seahawks fall to the Rams 20-10 to 10 in L.A. I am Michael Bumpus. He is Nash Chobie. Thanks for hanging out with us. We'll talk to you soon.